0: Jumping behind enemy lines today, Michael Katz, a beat reporter for uh, YO Sports, joining us uh, from uh, the beautiful state of Wyoming. Uh, Michael, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? No, we're good, man. We're getting through it just like everybody else. Um, what's uh, what's happening with the Cowboys when it comes to basketball this season? It, it, traditionally, it's a very good product. Um, this year, they're uh, we're seeing kind of a mixed bag.
1: Yeah, it's it's been. Uh... Uh, a little bit of a roller coaster, obviously. Uh, you know, new head coach with Jeff Linder, who who just came in from Northern Colorado, taking over from Alan Edwards, who uh, you know they won 18 games the last two years combined. So they had to get some wholesale changes done, and you know the team got off to a seven and one start, and I think people's expectations kind of got set really, really high, and. You know, not to discount uh the quality of opponent that they were playing. I mean they they did beat Oregon State on the road, a team that just knocked off USC uh yesterday. But uh, you know, then the you Neo know, Mountain West play has started and they had a four game losing streak and I think people were kind of unsure of of what is this team? Is it the team that started seven and one or is it the team that just lost four in a row and you know they just beat Air Force finally? But Uh, You know, it it is, you know, all things considered, they're eight and five. They won nine games all of last year. And so I think there's there's progression to be sure. But I I think people are starting to realize that it's not going to all come together right away. And and I think the, the start of the Mountain West season has kind of shown people that this team's come a long way, but it still really does have a long way to go.
2: I'm sure Nevada will be very fired up for this game after Wyoming bumped them out of the Mountain West tournament last year. I mean, all three of their games last season were really close. They came down to the last shot. You look at Wyoming. I mean, they got seven guys averaging at least eight, seven points per game. So they've got some offensive scoring potential. Um, where are their biggest strengths? What does Nevada have to be worried most about as it enters this two-game series?
1: It's funny because, you know, if you had asked me a year ago, I would have never said that three-point shooting would be a strength because they were so bad at it uh, last year. But when they get hot, they get hot. Uh, you know, they made 16 threes uh, against Air Force in the last game, which was, I believe, tied for the most since 2016. When when Wyoming is going, they are deadly from three, and pretty much everybody on that will see the floor can shoot. Uh, you know, Hunter Thompson is, is their quote-unquote big man. He's 6'10", and he's really kind of a stretch forward. Um, you're not going to see him bang around down there. He, he's a guy that wants to shoot. Uh, Marcus Williams, their point guard, he's a freshman who's kind of been one of the big surprises in the Mountain West. He doesn't shoot it great, but, uh, you know, he's not afraid to to pull up. Uh, everybody on there it can can shoot it at a pretty high rate and with that you know also kind of comes the negatives they are a little bit weak inside teams will will exploit them on the inside that's what we've seen when wyoming loses it's they're getting out rebounded and they're getting destroyed in the paint uh but on the other side of that is they are going to spread you out and they are going to when things are going well they're going to hit a ton of threes and uh in their in their eight wins they've they've been lights out from deep if
3: you look at this roster kind of like nevada there's not a whole lot of uh, experience on this team i mean there's there's no seniors there's only three juniors a lot of freshmen a lot of sophomores uh how, how has that kind of impacted the it's been a young team i feel like for a few years now um you know how, how are the younger players kind of, kind of assimilating into the program and how's that mix been so far this year
1: yeah, they only had uh, four guys who came back from last year's team, and in, in talking to guys, I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing, just kind of given how bad the last couple of years were. I think there is something to be said for having veteran guys like Hunter Maldonado and and Thompson come back, but I, I know Linder, one of the things he's really focused on in recruiting is recruiting guys who are winners, who who won in high school, and um, who who, maybe, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I think it's a good thing that there were guys that weren't there for all those losing streaks last year. And, you know, you, you're, you're going to take your lumps with, you know, you're going against the veteran teams like Boise state and they know how to win those games uh, when, when things get tight or, you know, you even air force uh, that first game uh, l- last weekend, you know, they had seniors making big shots down the stretch and, there are those moments where I think Wyoming probably wishes they had more guys like that. But I I think that kind of starting over has, has kind of been good because there's this sort of youthfulness. They, they, they don't know when to be down in the locker room. They, They don't know how to lose. And, and I think, while that does have its problems, I think for this program, that's not necessarily a bad thing. They have guys, you know, Marcus Williams, uh, I think he lost one or two games all of last year in high school and playing at the highest level of Texas uh, high school basketball. That's a dude who doesn't know how to lose. He doesn't want to get used to losing. And I think having guys like that has kind of been a blessing in disguise.
0: Michael Katz with uh, Wyoming Sports. He's a beat writer up there in the great state of Wyoming. Uh, Michael, uh, for Nevada, uh, they found a uh, literally found a gold mine in Grant Shurfield at point guard. Uh, instant offense to come in and replace Jalen from last year, Jalen Harris, who was off in the NBA. Uh, Shurfield averaging almost 19 points a game. He just fills up the stat sheet. Uh, he's got a deadly floater from that elbow that just seems like it's a 90% shot. Who do you see from Wyoming being the guy that draws that stick and is going to have to try and lock down Shurfield?
1: I think it's, in a perfect world, it would be Marcus Williams, the point guard. But, uh, you know, uh, Marcus got benched a couple of games ago for lack of effort on defense. And it seems like the message has kind of gotten through. But uh, Marcus, I think he'll tell you, too, that his strength right now is not defense. And I think... If I had to guess, it would probably fall on Hunter Maldonado. He's kind of that combo guard guy uh, who, he, he he is the best defender on the team. Uh, he, when things get tough, he'll draw the toughest assignment. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for him, though. Um, you know, Maldonado hasn't maybe had the, the year he thought he would. You know, he's kind of the walking close to triple-double kind of kind of player um, who who isn't going to to light up one particular uh area but you know before the season he told me he wanted to be the best defender in the mountain west and linder said that's the goal i want for him i don't care if he does anything else he needs to be the best defender on this team and uh you know i think it's going to be a really good challenge for him and and uh you know i know him pretty well he, he's always up for it but uh if i had to guess it would probably fall on him
2: You've mentioned Marcus Williams a couple of times, and it's not very often a freshman will just step into the Mountain West and give you 16 points per game, but that's what he's doing. He's shooting a really high percent, 48 percent, almost two to one assisted turnover ratio. And this was a guy who only had like four uh, college scholarship offers, none from really well known schools. Wyoming was the best. Why has he been so good? Uh, You mentioned he has to improve on defense, but um, you know, why has he been so potent offensively and been able to step into the college level without much of a transition?
1: It's if, if there's one thing that I think people should know about Marcus is that he is, he's among the most confident people I think I've ever talked to, and he like he just turned 18, uh he's he's that young, gun gunslinging slinging guy. Uh, he's he's not afraid of the moment. He, uh even if things don't work out, he's not going to be afraid to keep going. Like you'll see him shoot an air ball, and he'll be right back down there doing it again. And it's probably not going to be an air ball the second time. And I think part of that is due to it being a thin team and not having a ton of experience. And Linder has said, you know, I, I can't pull out guys to teach them lessons uh, because he just doesn't have that luxury right now. And I think he's, he's got some sort of a green light that I don't think most freshmen have partly due to necessity um, but partly due to um he's just got this confidence level. Uh he's he's never gonna be afraid of the moment. And I think that's kind of infectious um for the rest of the team. You know, last year there were times when Wyoming looked scared in close games and they you know, and they went nine and twenty-four or whatever it was, but uh, they had close games and they lost all of those close games. And and this year they have guys like Marcus, that kind of bulldog who, uh, who just, you know, after the Boise State game, when they lost by 20, he was like, yeah, we should have won that game by 10. And we were all just kind of sitting there like, okay, like I don't know if you watch the same game we did, but uh, you got to respect the confidence. And he just sort of has this air about him that – uh, you know, obviously the physical skills are there. He he can get to the hoop whenever he wants. He's great around the room. Um, he's a playmaker. You know, he's got great vision. Linder said he's probably the best all-around young point guard he's ever had. And you know, he he coached Lillard uh, at Weber for a bit, just in terms of his uh, his vision and just ability to do everything. Um, you know, he he's he he's confident, he's he's not cocky, but it's it's borderline, and I think for a team like this, that's that's a good thing.
3: All right, Michael. So we uh Chris does this every week. He does his three keys, right? Of of what Nevada needs to do to win. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. What are the three things that Wyoming, if, if they're gonna get a win Friday in that first game, what are they gonna do well?
1: They are going to do what Jeff Linder's best teams always do. They're going to shoot the three well and defend the three well. Linder always takes a lot of pride in those two things. He always brings up the percentages that he had in Northern Colorado, which were like top 10 the last couple of years in both of those. And so when they're, when they're, when, when Wyoming's humming, they're doing that, I would say.
4: Wyoming's not going
1: to win the rebound battle a lot, but they need to keep it close um and it needs to be within four or five uh you know a couple games ago they got out rebounded by like 15 uh games like that that's they're not going to win those and so I I would say that's number two and then uh number three I I would say if Wyoming is going to win this game it's probably going to be close they're they're not going to win this game to blow out and in the first part of the season, you know, they had a six game winning streak and they won five of those games by single digits. They were winning all of these close games. And, you know, the last week or so, you know, they had Boise state within five with, you know, eight minutes left. And then they, you know, the wheels fell off and, you know, against air force, they were up 14 and uh, they ended up losing by three and they, they need to be that team that, knew what to do in close games at the start of the season, rather than the team we've seen the last couple of weeks that kind of, I don't want to say got deer in the headlights, but they, they, Linder even said like, they, they kind of got tired. And, and that's part of that is, is freshman fatigue and having young players that aren't necessarily used to those sorts of things. But uh, you know, they weren't getting tired at the start of the season when, when, when they were winning those close games. And so I I think they have to be ready for a close game and they, they have to have that sort of composure that they had the first few weeks compared to the last few weeks. And I know that sounds vague slash cliche, but if you've, if you've watched this team, it's, you know, I, I, they, they just knew how to close uh, the first few games. They weren't afraid in the huddle. You just kind of had this feeling like they were going to figure it out. And the last Couple weeks, it hasn't quite been like that, and uh, I think there has been a learning curve. Uh, and I, I, think, I think they kind of got to get back to, to to what they were doing at, at at the start.
0: Michael, one last thing before we let you go, I'm trying to figure out if you're related to our own Chris Murray here because I'm seeing Dodger <laughs> stuff in the background. I'm seeing Lakers stuff in the background. Uh, Chris, can you give them a little one of these so we can see who your favorite quarterback is? Yeah. Uh, our, are you a, a, you have to be a Bills fan because of Josh Allen? But I'm seeing some striking similarities here, Alex, and it's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm
1: a, I'm a Los Angeles native. I grew up uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes away from uh, from Dodger Stadium. So it's been a 2020 was a tough year, but we had a couple of good things, and they came in the form of uh, them winning the World Series the first time in my life, and the Lakers. Uh, finally uh finally getting back on top I am a USC grad though too so it's not all good uh I I complain about that a lot uh but you got to take the good with the bad and uh as far as as far as Josh Allen is concerned he I'm pretty sure he could run for any position in Wyoming and he would (laughs) win probably unanimously
3: so Michael this is what we decide with Chris so the Dodgers obviously this year it was not a full season so it's we kind of decided it was like three-quarters of a real World Series because there were no fans. All, but but because the Dodgers got screwed by the Astros a couple of years ago, that's like a quarter of a World Series. So we'll give you a full one by combining those two together.
1: Basically what I tell myself is all of the crap that I bought online doesn't say three-quarters World Series. It all says
3: 2020
1: World Series champs. And so if the T-shirt says it, I'm good. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Absolutely.
0: Michael Katz with uh, Wyoming Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Michael L. Katz. Uh, Michael, appreciate the time, man. And uh, stay safe up there. We love going to Laramie and, and visiting. Uh, uh, Alex and I uh, shut down a little brute place uh, one night up there a few years ago, but uh, we love going to Wyoming. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Wolfpack men's and women's basketball teams are uh, on the road and at home, respectively, against uh, the Wyoming Cowboys and Cowgirls this week. Let's dive in a little game preview for a uh, Wolfpack men's uh, basketball team. Uh, Chris, a little bit of an update. You have an article on our website, NevadaSportsNet.com, uh, an update on the uh, knee of Zane Meeks. What do you have?
2: Yeah, I didn't play in the second game against Fresno State because of some knee soreness he's been dealing with this year. And Steve Alford is basically calling him a game time decision day to day. It made it sound like Daniel Foster, who's trying to come back from a shoulder injury suffered in training camp, is the more likely of those two to play. I wouldn't be surprised if either of them play. But Wyoming is definitely more of a guard oriented team. So you could try and rest Zane Meeks in this one and see if you can get him to the next series against UNLV, which doesn't start until the following Sunday. So maybe try to give him about two weeks off. So kind of a 50-50 call at this point.
0: Alex, if this is a matchup that you can't afford to lose a big man in, it is Wyoming, definitely.
3: Yeah, but you, you also, you know, don't want to lose the depth. And I, I think for Nevada, you know, they're already a little thin, you know, and, and I think there's been some concerns about minutes, you know, with certain guys. And, and despite maybe the matchup being guard heavy, you know, uh, there, there are concerns about, you know, how many minutes Grant Sherfield is having to play right now and some other guys. And you're talking about an arena that's at 7,200 feet you know, that's a challenge. And so I think you want as many bodies as possible. And so I think the preference for sure, I think would be able to have, you know, Zane and and for Daniel Foster to make his debut. I know coach Alford has talked about him for weeks about wanting uh, to get him out there and and excited about just what he can bring into the mix, a guy with a really high basketball IQ. Um, But I think there were some good signs this past weekend with Zane Meeks out, you know, a guy like DeAndre Henry coming out and playing well and, and giving Nevada some strong minutes and, you know, KJ Himes continuing to do a, doing a good job inside and, and Trey Coleman, you know, continuing to do a good job as a freshman. So I think, you know, there, there have been guys that have been able to step up, but, you know, Nevada can't really afford for too long. I think to have guys, you know, be out with injury or not have as many pieces as they would like, because, you know, it can get thin pretty quick.
0: One of the guys that we're still, I guess Nevada is still hoping to get on the court this season is, Uh, Oregon transfer transfer Addison Patterson I mean with us not being able to go to practice we don't get to really see a lot of these new guys until they're literally on the court in in game position Chris uh, if Addison Patterson was able to join this team where do you think he would fit
2: he'd probably start honestly you would step right in there with Trey Coleman's position and he's a more offensive oriented kind of wing player six foot six shot 56% during his time at Oregon last year as a freshman. This is actually supposed to be his true freshman year. He reclassified to join the high school ranks a year early. So he's still a relatively young player, but very offensive oriented. Uh, If he reminds me of any Wolfpack player in recent history, it's kind of like a Caleb Martin. Like he can do other things on the court, but his mindset is to attack. So yeah, Nevada has put in a waiver to try and get him eligible to play this season. He's already joined the team. He's gone through the quarantine process, enrolled in classes in the spring, and is currently practicing with the Wolfpack. So I don't think gonna get cleared, but if he does, it would definitely be a huge offensive lift for a team that has really improved offensively over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, talk about a lift for uh, Grant Sherfield and Desmond Cambridge, another guy who can put the ball in the basket. Alex, that's always welcome.
3: Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you start thinking about even if he doesn't play this year. I mean, I think a lot of Wolfpack fans, and we've even talked about just what this thing looks like next year. You know, you add him in, uh, you add in the big man Will Davis. Uh, coming in from Texas and you had a seven footer. I mean, you just start to kind of go, all right, like there's some pieces coming in here. But certainly, I mean, if if somehow Nevada got Addison out there this year, I mean, what an what an immediate spark. It's like picking up a a big player at the trade deadline, you know, to be able to get to get some like that, not only fresh legs, but a talented player with fresh legs, as I mentioned to the depth kind of stuff. Now all of a sudden you get him, you get Zane back, you've got Daniel Foster healthy. Uh, Nevada could be dangerous you know what I mean that they, they could be a team that could really uh, um, make us make a stab at, at, at a run at the Mountain West tournament and and who knows I mean they're talking right now The Mountain West right now looking like a, a, a league that could get three maybe four teams into the NCAA tournament for the first time in years who knows how this thing's gonna go with COVID and, and teams not being able to make make something happen I mean what if Nevada went on some kind of run and with this young team somehow got into the tournament I mean it's dreaming but hey it's it's certainly possible
0: it'll be interesting to see how Nevada and Coach Alford deal with uh, the altitude of uh, of Wyoming Chris I mean we've all covered games up there and you see guys cramp you see guys tire out a little bit even when they're training at nearly 5,000 feet in Reno it can affect you
2: yeah, I remember Cam Oliver hooked up to an oxygen tank during a game. So uh, Grant Sherfield coming in averaging 34 minutes per game and Des Cambridge is at 30 minutes per game. So Coach Alford said – sub a little bit quicker to start the game because sometimes it takes a little bit longer to get your second or third wind I still think those guys are going to play a lot of minutes and I still think to a large degree it is a mental thing I mean there's certainly a physical element to going up a couple 2,000 more feet of elevation being above 7,000 but uh, you know he's he's leaned on those guys all year and they're going to have to deal with the altitude because as Alex said the depth isn't 100% you know intact right now so it's definitely something to think about but I think the bigger deal you make of it as a coach then it becomes a bigger deal for the players so I think he's tried to downplay it a little bit. And I'd be shocked if Grant Sherfield isn't playing 30 to 35 minutes in the, the, these games against Wyoming.
0: I think it's funny, Alex, when we go to Wyoming or Air Force, and it's beware of lack of oxygen or signs, <laughs> there's signs up at the state. Uh, it's, it's like symptoms of hypoxia and stuff like that. It, it's pretty funny to me. But uh, for me, actually, Al, uh, and you would know this very well, I think it's more difficult to go from high altitude and play on the islands.
3: You know, I don't know. I just, I just think like the air factor is just such a difference. I mean, I just think from breathing, like, I mean, I go, you go for a walk up here at 10,000 feet and it's just different, you know? So I don't know. I I think going up, I would say this, it's like the challenge for Nevada certainly is not as big as other teams. I mean, going from 4,000 to 7,000, I mean, think about what San Diego state has to do when they have to go play at Wyoming, you know, think about what San Jose state has to do when they go play. I mean, that's a 7,000 foot jump. You know what I mean? That's, Mm -hmm. now we're talking about something that could really be an issue, but this isn't anything new to any of these guys, right? This is something they deal with every year. And so I think a lot can get made out of it, but um, it's there. I mean, it's a factor. There's no doubt.
0: If you want to check it out, the Nevada men against Wyoming, Friday night, 5 p.m. tip off right here on this network, Nevada Sportsnet. If you want to check it out. Uh, And then, of course, the Nevada women on Nevada Sportsnet on Sunday. That'll be a 12.30 p.m. tip off right here on nsn should be uh should be a lot of fun coming up next here on nsn daily rail city todd will join us from the rail city casino and the ale house to talk conference championships games in the nfl that's next welcome back to nsn daily it is a thursday which means that todd to reamer from rail city casino and the rail city ale house joins us uh, with a couple of picks we only have two games this weekend. Uh, you know, guys, I'm very, very happy that we got to this point in the first place, because there was a time there where I was pretty skeptical whether or not we'd actually have a season. But uh, let's uh, start off with the Bucks at the Packers. of Hall of Fame, quarterbacks going at it once again. If you're Tom Brady, OK, I, I got to go through Drew Brees and I got to go through Aaron Rodgers on the road again. Uh, Todd, let's start with you. Packers
5: minus three. All right. So I feel like this season I've been on and off the Tom Brady train like 10 times. I feel like he has a good week and I'm all for it. And I'll, I'll be on him and then they have a bad week. But um, last week, I think, made a believer of me. And I think that they can go into Lambeau and uh, get done what needs to get done. Uh, I also think the defenses are going to play better than expected and hold the offenses down. Chris, that's kind of what we saw with the, the
0: Saints and the Bucks. was everybody expected 75 points to be scored in this game. And uh, it, it was defensively much of a, much of a struggle uh, for for guys to move the football. I mean, granted, this, the Saints. Uh, you know, I, I I have to point out Drew Brees threw three picks in that game, and that was the difference in the in the football game. Uh, who do you have in this one?
2: I'm going to go with the Packers. I mean, you look at that regular season matchup, it was early, it was in October, but the Bucks did win 38 to 10. So that doesn't give you a lot of solace. But I just feel like Aaron uh, Rodgers is playing so well at this point. And he's finally hosting an NFC championship game at Lambeau. First time he's been able to do that in his career. Um, you know, Tom has been good. I mean, he's been a really solid quarterback this year. Uh, you know, but I, I, I just don't, he's not as good right now as Aaron Rodgers for that. He's 43 years old, but I'm going to take the home field advantage. Uh, I agree that both these defenses have been playing really well. I mean, you look at the Packers the last few games, they've given up 18 points, 16, 14, 16 to get some pretty good teams. So, um, you know, they're playing really well defensively and Aaron Rodgers is playing so well that I'm going to go with the Packers and I'll give up the points.
0: It'll be the Bucs and the Packers on Sunday at 12.05 on Fox 11. If you want to check that out. Uh, the other matchup Bills and Chiefs. Uh, Chris has got a little bit of interest in this one. Chiefs At home, minus three. Chris, can your bills go in there and do it?
2: I mean, they certainly can go in there and do that. This is actually a rematch of the regular season matchup as well. And the uh, chiefs did take down the bills in that one. That was kind of an odd situation for the bills. They were basically playing like two games in five days because they had a Tuesday game against the Titans. Um, But the chiefs won that one, 26 to 17. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be fine in play. So I'm going to put my money on the chiefs. I hope I'm wrong with that. But uh, again, you know, you take the quarterback and then, you know, Josh Allen has been great this year. Hasn't been as strong in the playoffs, but it's just hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's a really, really good player. Uh, they're at home. Their defense is playing quite a bit better. I mean, you saw uh, last week against, uh, you know, uh, their matchup that they played really, really well. So uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs uh, begrudgingly and hope that I'm wrong.
5: Todd, where are you coming down on this matchup? So I'm road dogs all this weekend, so I like the Bills in this one, too. Um, I just think that the offense will will do just enough to get it done. I think the defenses will play strong, but I think the Bills will come out in the end. Again, I like Diggs. X viking hopefully gets a touchdown pass. Always rooting for those guys.
0: Bill's at the Chiefs Sunday. That's a 340 kickoff on, uh, on CBS. All right, Todd, we, what, what's the pizza number? How many
5: pizzas you sell last week? So Saturday alone was a record day. We did 54 pizzas. Oh, uh, for the weekend, it was a record. We did 116. Um, the cool thing about Saturday was not only did we do 54 pizzas, we did 54 rib specials too. That's Ooh. a lot of ribs and beer going out on top of it. So uh, must've been the sports fans coming out looking for all that yummy bar food in the Yale House. So a uh, great weekend for us there. So this weekend, we have a couple specials going on. Friday night, we still have the steak and endless shrimp we talked about last week. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, we have a new one, same steak with uh, crab legs. So steak, eight-ounce crab legs, half a pound of crab legs, $19.99, another great deal. So we expect the Yale House just to be jumping this Friday. Saturday our team's looking forward to all the business um, and then Sunday again we have a wing special that's uh, a pound of wings for five bucks so if you're coming down to watch football get the wings or get the ribs and a beer either one's great to watch football with um, and then in the usual fashion pride passion fund the rail city way we have a cocktail server named Roblin she was just uh, here six years as of the 14th of January so she's been here a long time she lives pride passion fund the, the biggest thing is my very first week i start talking to her and she says i really want to feel pride in this place again and so she's the one that really spurred some of the pride piece to really get us for our team to get jazzed up about pride in real city and all the new stuff we're doing and uh, she's probably our biggest fan on sharing everything we're doing on social media so she champions it out there for us so if you come in order a drink see Rodlin during the day she's great and tell her thanks for everything she does
0: i love it i love it when you're 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 encouraged to be, I mean, be proud of where you work. Be proud of the product that you're presenting, no matter what you do for a living. Uh, you, I love the idea of, of being proud of, of the
5: product and, and what you do.
0: Are uh, you guys giving away anything this weekend?
5: We are, actually. This one's a little bit bigger than normal. We're giving away a sound bar, sound bar. A soundbar this weekend. So casino guests, again, get it for free or come in and earn 750 points and get a sound bar. 600 of these things we expect will go very quickly also on Saturday.
0: Chris, I'm going to put it in the mailbag this weekend. How in the hell is Rail City Casino in business? How are you guys keeping the lights on by just giving stuff away? I don't I don't know how they do it.
5: Uh, you <laughs> Very valuable. Food and gifts. That's how we do it. People love yeah. to come in for it. Good
0: stuff. Good stuff. You can follow Todd on Twitter if you'd like, at Rail City Todd. He's got his hot takes, and he's got the specials. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, should be uh, should be a lot of fun this weekend with a couple championship games, and then uh, we'll talk to Todd next week about the Super Bowl. Bowl. So uh, check out Rail City and the Rail City Ale House. Todd, we appreciate the time. Man. Have a good weekend. See you. We'll see you next week. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, a local group of high school coaches putting together a youth sports group to get our kids back out on the field safely. We'll talk about that next. Week. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Joining us, uh, Brad Rose, head football coach over at Sparks High School. He does a whole lot of everything over there. You're coaching uh, assisting coaching in basketball, I know you, you've coached track and field. You're involved with the students. Uh, do you salt the driveway when it gets cold too? <laughs> How you been, coach? Good. Hey, yeah. Uh, luckily, no snow for those
4: driveways. Well, a right? little bit of luck. I kind of prefer some.
0: So, what? Uh, tell me about this uh, program that you guys have started up. You and a number of other local coaches have put together a youth sports club. Uh, I know there's like seven-on-seven seven football. There's a weightlifting team. Uh, how did this start? And I know it's focused, everybody's welcome, but you're focusing on low-income communities to help those kids.
4: Yeah, so, you know, early on uh, in this in this pandemic, obviously, we were without our students. Um, we came back to school in August, and I kind of saw a lot of them fall off in terms of just kind of just their life and just things that were going on at home. And so myself, my bas- our basketball coach here, um, my defensive coordinator and I, we talked and we kind of discussed what are some things we can do to get our kids back connected with their coaches around positive influences and stay busy while still keeping the mitigation factors of COVID-19 under control. Uh, so we went to work and we started to see what we can come up with. And we came with the Real City Outlaws. Uh, fortunately, flag football is perfectly legal under the current guidelines. Uh, you know, basketball, we're stuck to skills and drills, but just getting kids back in the gym And then weightlifting uh, has just been phenomenal, and we've got a great partner with American Iron Gym who's just opened up. We can continue our mitigation that we do at our schools, but get our kids stronger, build their self confidence, really just give them some sense of normalcy through all of this. And you know, you kind of talked about our main focus was the kids who you know can't afford the personal trainers, can't afford those club teams that are asking three hundred a month. So we really just want to make sure our kids had the same opportunities um that anybody else would have kind of kind of been our focus since we got here at sparks so you know whether it be sparks high booster Hub, we've got kids from all over and it's just been phenomenal
6: how rewarding is it for you as a coach just to be able to start something like this and then to see the smiles on these kids faces when you know they are back out in the gym and they are back out on the field just doing what they love
4: Shannon, man, that that I'll tell you what—the first day we were out at 707, on you just can't help but feel that just that energy. You know, your heart's full of seeing kids back in their environment, loving what they're doing, smiling. You just feel how much of a burden almost was off of, of our athletes that are involved with our club, and just how much—even that we're just practicing. There's, there hasn't been a competition yet, you know. Just how much that means to them that we care enough to get them involved, to get them around each other, to get to just connect back again. You know, it's been a long, hard year and I know our kids kind of love just being back and you can just feel that around us as we get back to going.
0: Sparks High football coach, uh, Brad Rose, joining us here on NSN Daily. You know, coach, we've had a lot of experience talking with Jay Norvell and with Steve Alford, uh, numerous coaches up at the university about how, how they've communicated with their teams. And I mean, Jay's got multiple staff and all that. How has it gone with you guys? How have you been able to kind of transverse this and and stay in touch with your kids? I mean, this is kind of how we're communicating right now is via Zoom.
4: Yeah, and that was, you know, with us, we, we have Zoom meetings uh, every now and again. We've created a team app and able to communicate with our kids, but it's kind of learned on the fly. I mean, prior to all this, I, I mean, Zoom I knew very little about, and. You know, some of these contact apps. So, you know, luckily for me, I'm in school uh, every day. So we get to see our kids every other day again, starting this week, which has been great. And other than that, yeah, it's Zoom meetings, it's communicating through various apps, just making sure again, and we were doing this back in March, just making sure everybody's doing okay, you know, and my coaches all have what we call their, their unit and their unit is their job to kind of make sure they're doing okay, checking in on them, checking on grades, stuff at home, things like that. And Man, my coaches hit the ground running and same with our outlaws coaches they're just connected with kids through all this technology that i think is new to probably everybody but them
6: (laughs) (laughs) just you know as a head coach and with your coaching staff what have been some of the biggest challenges just throughout these last couple of months i mean it's so weird to think that a whole fall passed by and there was no high school football here in nevada
4: yeah, and I think you know a lot of us coaches, we've been doing this for so long that the, the biggest challenge I think is adjusting in our own lives even a little bit. you know uh, A lot more downtime than we're used to and, and a lot more time for the betterment with our families, I would say, but trying to keep our kids involved. I would say that's the biggest hurdle is they don't necessarily see a competition in front of them. They don't see a, a result. So it's hard to get them to focus in on the overall process that we're creating now you know, and that's getting better and preparing for what, what, what may be a season, what may not, you know, but just kind of, again, focus on the bigger picture of building our community within our school, building our community within our team, and knowing they can support one another, and that's tough when there's not games on the schedule.
0: Brad, not a day goes by when I don't get a coach texting me, asking me, hey, what are you hearing? I heard this, and there's so many stories going around and that sort of thing and I'm, I'm really able to, to de- detect the optimism level of some of our coaches whether it's baseball softball basketball football whatever it is where's your optimism level when it comes to being able to get back out there and play some sort of football season in early 2021 you know Brian, mine's really
4: high uh, you know, the NIAA is working really hard for us to get back out there. The school district is working really hard for us to get back out there. We have a lot of people in our corner, and, and, you, and you guys have seen the parents and, and the players themselves, just being vocal, you know, giving the data that we know from the fall and those kind of things that and the sports that played. I really am hopeful and, uh, that we will have a season. I mean, it may be in March and maybe a little cold for us, but I'm pretty sure and pretty, pretty confident that uh, there will be some football at some point in time in the early part of 2020.
6: Just how exciting will that day be when you'll be able to deliver that message to your kids that hey, we have a game on the schedule.
4: Uh, that's going to be like the second Christmas right there. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> you know, it's it's we're ready to go. And like I said, it's just preparation for for that. And I think it's going to be probably one of the most exciting days for everybody involved in high school athletics. You know, not just not just uh, at our school, but everywhere. I think we're just all ready to, you know, get back to it and get our kids a little reward for all their, their, tri- their trials and tribulations over the last, you know, nine months.
0: Brad, we've talked to with a number of uh, educators and coaches and former athletes that are now teachers. Uh, a big, big example, a good friend of ours Mike Edwards over at Reno High former Nevada offensive lineman, and then sometimes when we talk to him, the classroom's empty, and sometimes there's a, he's got some people around. Take me to Sparks. What's it like? I, every time I go to Sparks High School, it's just a buzz with kids. They're usually I'm there for a signing or something, the kids are just flooding down the hallways. I love it's such... nostalgic place because of the brick and the construction of sparks high it's a real special place i didn't go to sparks high so don't say that that i'm that i'm rooting on the railroaders um but put me in a in a day when you're walking the halls right now at sparks high
4: you know it was it was awfully quiet for that month that we were off completely but uh prior to that and then back again you know we're seeing we're seeing a good group of kids in here Uh, obviously you know a third of what we're used to but the kids in that school are here they really want to be here you know and so there's even more energy um you know the mitigation factors at our school are phenomenal i'd say put say put sparks at the top i mean we do a really good job because we are a smaller school of uh, maintaining those but like i said you come into sparks high school right now and i think kids just love being back teachers love seeing their their students our admins fired up i mean there's an energy and you can just kind of tell, you can kind of feel that this semester things are just going to continue to improve. And it's just so much, like I said, optimism lately. And I kind of love that about Sparks High as we we do follow our traditions, but there's always such optimism within our halls And, and man, it's back.
6: Just looking at the glass half full here, I guess, instead of half empty, but just being able to at least see your kids every other day, even though you're not seeing them every day, as opposed to, if you guys were full-time virtual, I mean, how nice is that just being able to see them in person and knowing that, hey, you know, my players are doing well. I'm able to see them still at school and on campus here.
4: Yeah, That's huge for us. You know, I had a kid yesterday who told me just how important it was for him to be back, you know, and at Sparks, sometimes our kids really deal with some real struggles at home and school is an outlet for them. And I'd say it's probably the most emotional conversations I've had with a kid who was just excited to be able to come back to the school building just because it might be his only escape from some of the stresses at home and you know it just means a lot when you can hear those things and you know how important it is and for us too I mean like I said I want to know my guys are lifting weights I want to know they're you know engaged in their schoolwork and now that we get to see them we know that's happening.
0: I, I think that's something that, that is getting overlooked is the mental health of our teachers because our teachers lived the lives of our of their students and you know you can't overlook you know taking care of our kids I mean that's this is unprecedented in the last 100 years you just haven't seen it but the mental health of our teachers and so many teachers that I've seen or interacted with they're they're acting just like you Brad their eyes are just wide open and they're just like man my kids are coming back and I'm so stoked for this uh, one last thing before we let you go um, so many of us have become I don't want to say experts, we think we're maybe experts during the pandemic in something else, maybe it's in the kitchen, maybe you picked up a hobby, maybe you're doing something else, you're getting really good at growing hair, obviously, I'm in the same boat here, Or yeah, uh, what, what, have you, what have you done, well, Shannon's got perfect hair, I mean, come on, but what have you done in the pandemic that's kind of helped you get through this?
4: You know what i started doing things called gratitude walks and it's 15 minutes a day where you just get out and walk around and think about the things that you're grateful for and i'll tell you what early on in this pandemic that really kept me kind of going and even now you know because we we still have setbacks and things and we're optimistic about events coming up and they can't happen so it's just that 15 minutes every day of getting out exploring reno you know safely of course and just getting that gratitude of, man, we've got a lot to be thankful for throughout the years and, and, uh, or not the years, but throughout the day, you know, and just kind of remembering that and taking the 15 minutes every day to do it is it's been money. So, yeah. and good for my health, of course.
0: <laughs> well, that's it too. And my GM wouldn't like me to hear me say it, but turn the TV off, put the phone down and just get outside and go for a walk, go to Crystal Peak Park, go up Mount Rose, go up Peavine, just go for a walk and get outside and breathe. You know, that's kind of the way that I think we as a team, because we uh, just passed basically uh, 10 months of being doing this show from our homes. So uh, you be, handsome, be on your gratitude walk today. Be thankful that you're in your office at Sparks High.
4: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Brad Rose, head coach of the football team and uh wearer of many hats over at Sparks High School. Yeah. Uh, how, how can kids be a part of this? So I don't want to skip over that. Is there a website or how can kids get a part be a part of this? If This is the first time they're hearing about the uh, Youth Sports Club.
4: Yeah, so they they can join the Rail City Outlaws. They just got to go online. We are at railcityoutlaws.teamapp.com and we have all the instructions on there to how to join uh, our various sports, uh, Boys and Girls Club for basketball, American Iron Gym for uh, weightlifting, and then we are at Golden Eagle for our seven on seven. So just reach out and I've got my contact info on there as well and we're happy to help however we can get them signed up.
0: Brad, we appreciate the time, especially what you're doing for our kids, man. Thanks. Thank you. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. It is Thursday, and we want to welcome Bradley Drendel and Janae, who now sponsor our segment on Bet or No Bet. So let's dive right into it. Patrick Mahomes suffered a concussion over the weekend, and it was ugly. This wasn't something where he got popped and then later on kind of went, well, my head's a little spinny. He couldn't get up, guys. Bet or no bet. Should Patrick Mahomes play this weekend, Chris?
2: I mean, if he clears the NFL's concussion protocol, yes, I think he should play. Um, I think he's going to play. Uh, They'll they'll make sure that he he passes that. But that is one of the concerns for football players is what kind of brain damage does your brain take over a career? So, uh, you know, I think as long as he gets, uh, you know, third-party clearance uh, from the concussion experts, then, yeah, he should go out there and play.
0: Alex, player safety here has to be at a
3: premium. It is, but I I think, again, with Chris says, if he's cleared, he's cleared. Uh, So I'd I'd bet him playing. um, You know, I know you're concerned about a long career with Patrick Mahomes, but you're in a championship game, and if he wants to play and he's cleared to play, then he's going to play. I mean, there's not very many opportunities you're going to get like this. Granted, you you probably figure you will with a guy like him for years to come, and you don't want to risk 10 years for one. But, you know, I I have a feeling, you know, cleared, he's going to play, and he wants to play. We'll be right back to wrap things up on NSN Daily right after this.
0: I want to thank Rail City Todd, Brad Rose, and Michael Katz for all coming on the show. Of course, Friday night, you can see Nevada against Wyoming right here on NSN at 5 p.m. For Alex Margulies, Chris Murray, and Anthony Resnick directing behind the scenes, I'm Brian Samudio. We'll see you next time.